0: cough syrup with some chest decompressant because I am like 90% back to normal, but like, oh my God, what is still left in my sinuses and left in my body is gross <laughs> and phlegmy and very sticky. What was this? Just a sinus infection? I, I'm i guessing so. I don't know if it was a, a sinus infection or bronchitis with maybe a touch of laryngitis, Ooh. but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You can hear my cough. Yeah, yeah. But like, at least I, I kind of sound back to normal now.
1: Yeah, I can hear in the, I can hear the, the nose like that sort of,
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, that you're filling oh. up there. Oh my god! But what sucks, and I'm sure you can, um, you can attest to this as a, uh, a fellow who is able to grow some facial hair. I've never known this. Blowing your nose with a mustache is the most gross thing <laughs> I have ever encountered.
1: Honestly, I don't think I've ever really had to do that. I, I oh, usually only, no. I usually only have a mustache for like twenty four hours. That's know, very
0: true. Th- yeah, <laughs> but like once in a while, you'll let you'll let like the full beard come in, and yeah, you'll have that's like true. You, you'll have the upper lip hair with the full beard.
1: Yeah, that's true. That but um.
0: But you've never been sick with that.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think that's the case. Yeah, anything okay, that yeah, okay. anything that was in the nose, like I was able to to take out inside the nose and never came out (laughs) but yeah i I bet that i mean evolutionarily speaking maybe that's what it's for you know because humans were designed to shave you know so if we picture us with like full beards i mean there's got to be a reason it it caught all that for some reason i don't know
0: uh i'm just imagining having like a full like mustache bush like sam elliott yeah i don't know i don't have a green snot Yeah, I don't have a better way to describe it than full mustache bush. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, but, like, yeah, just, like, matted down with, like, the worst, like, bronchitis... Bronchial? Yeah. Bronchial? Would that be the correct term? I think so. Bronchial green slime. Ugh. Yeah,
1: yeah, just gross and, and dried. And But that's... Those are our ancestors, <laughs> I'm guessing. Ah.
0: <laughs> they got Ugh.
1: the first colds. I mean, honestly, when, when cavemen were around, like... The common cold was their COVID, probably. It's like, oh, did you hear about Ugg? He got the cold.
0: Like, he he got a cold? Oh, well, he's done for. I know. (laughs) Meanwhile, uh, Joe Rogue Ugg is walking (laughs) around saying, no, it's all a lie. Look, if you're a healthy caveman. Cold isn't real. If you're a
1: healthy caveman, you can get the cold and you'll be fine.
0: Look, if you're a healthy caveman, you're... You're genetically disposed to to being able to su- uh, successfully <laughs> overcome cold a lot better. You know, we can't prove that Joe Rogan
1: is not an unfrozen caveman. We can't prove. <laughs> no one can prove it. Honestly, I'm just asking questions. <laughs> I'm not saying he is. I'm just asking questions, Ted.
0: <laughs> you're you're saying there's a there's some people out there who yeah. should be doing a little more research. It's not going to be us. But people are saying some, Joe some Rogan.
1: Is an many, unfrozen people, caveman.
0: many people are saying that Joe yeah. Rogan is an unfrozen caveman.
1: Many people are saying this. He hasn't proven he's not. That's all. We're just asking the questions. Okay. <laughs> Have you
0: ever seen an unfrozen caveman and Joe Rogan in the same room in at the same, same time? Room.
1: They're identical. <laughs> uh, I, I'm doing uh, well, uh, too. I made the biggest mistake of my life getting the uh, no hugging, no learning Gmail on my phone. <laughs>
0: The oh, biggest yeah. mistake I... of my
1: life this year. <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> you have was... your notifications on for
1: it? I don't. Yes, I should turn those off, oh, I, dude. I, but I finally—if if, uh, I don't even know if we've mentioned it on the show—but like, I got into the Gmail account on my computer, and then I was like, "Oh, I'll get it on my phone too. That way, I'll be able to <laughs> look at the <laughs> um, calendar." Are you getting? And
0: stuff. Are you getting push notifications now for every email?
1: Yes. Yeah. And so, oh, I, like, damn. twelve times oh, a day, damn. I get. And here's the real: like, if it was. Another email account or, or, or application, it wouldn't be an issue. But Gmail, I only use for job hunting. Like I've only ever used oh, it. it gets, no. I get zero spam. I get nothing in there except things related to possible employment. <coughs> and so whenever I get a Gmail notification, I get very excited because I'm either – most likely I'm getting rejected, but at least I know. Or it might be – this might be it. Except yeah. now, <laughs> this I it's for sure offering me car insurance or a home warranty or a thirty five hundred dollar loan or uh, yeah. or
0: a Russian book. I don't know how we got put on the mailing yeah. list for Russian books. Yeah,
1: and so I, um, my heart is it's even worse than getting a job rejection because it has nothing. I, I just yeah. get so excited. I'm like, oh Gmail. I'm like, oh God save on my car insurance that's great but I did go in and clean it all up uh for good, the most part good. all the spam I think is gone I did have time to do that because you know uh all of the, d- the rejection but um it uh, um <laughs> but the one thing I didn't clean out is um I've been calling him Daniel Day Lewis but his name is Daniel J. Lewis it's just so yeah. similar <laughs> do we need all those emails no from Daniel Day no, that, no? okay. that,
0: that's a that's a that's a newsletter okay um, but it was a service that I signed up for a long time ago that, like, was a free uh, ratings tracker. Yeah. And then it became a not-free ratings uh, tracker. And then their message uh, messaging list, uh, like, he was in charge of it. And now he just sends out his own, like, hey, here's how you do a podcast, right? And every wow. tip he posts is like, yeah, I knew that.
1: <laughs> what a scam. Oh, you know what? I just scrolled further down and... Uh... I found a bunch of stuff that I missed somehow, so I'll have to go ah. back through and Oh yeah. You yeah. can get rid
0: of the Russian books too. We don't we don't need <laughs> Russian any book. Russian we're not, books. We're
1: not getting the Vivint Smart Home, not we don't need Fidelity Life. We're not I'm certainly not gonna could you imagine if you got a Gmail, like a random spam Gmail that's like, Hey, how about a thirty five hundred dollar loan? And you took it? <laughs> like Jesus, who, yeah. Who did like how I mean, I know the scam is like give us your bank account info and we'll just empty that instead, but I mean who would go, oh, I've been hoping for a break, and this was it. 3500 <laughs> bucks is going to turn my life around, and I'm going to get it. This person randomly wrote to me knowing that. And, uh, yeah, just you know, goes back to the Nigerian prince emails and stuff.
0: Uh, all right, should we get going? Might as well, yeah. All right, welcome to No Hugging, No Learning. It's a show about one thing, watching Curb Your Enthusiasm for the first time. I'm Tim Murphy. And I'm Ted Hollowell.
1: And today we will be talking about Season 1, Episode 5, Interior decorator, not the interior decorator. I'm thinking if any of these episodes so far, because it wouldn't necessarily be the Ted and Mary, you know, but if any of these episodes would have benefited from a the, it's interior decorator. The yeah, interior decorator. Right? I think it was a conscious effort. Now I think titling these episodes was a conscious effort to not title them the way every Seinfeld episode was titled with, you know, the comeback, the
0: uh-huh. whatever,
1: the marble rye.
0: But yeah, you're right. This one totally would have made sense because it is a singular person.
1: Yeah, not just interior decorator. I think we can deduce that Larry was really trying to go against the grain as far as... And when you think about it, I mean, that's that's really what this was. I mean, uh, Seinfeld, from what we know about Jerry Seinfeld, he loves, like, dictating everything to the T. How, here's how it's going to go. This show is the complete opposite. It's all improv. There's just bullet points, and here we need to get from point A to point B in this scene and go. Whatever your character would do to do that, go, as opposed to Seinfeld's very mathematical, you know, approach to comedy. So pretty, pretty interesting. Uh, But what is the deal with the stuff from our last episode, The Bracelet? All we had was that Larry calls Richard Lewis Norman Vincent Lewis after Richard, you know, they had a pretty horrible day. But Richard said, you know what, every day is a great day for me. And Larry says, who are you, Norman Vincent Lewis? We had no idea what that was a reference to. It was a reference to Norman Vincent Peale, an American Protestant clergyman and author best known for popularizing the concept of positive thinking, especially through his best selling book, The Power of Positive Thinking from 1952, which provides anecdotal case histories of positive thinking using a biblical approach and practical instructions, which were designed to help the reader achieve a permanent and optimistic attitude. Really, um, these, so these techniques usually involved affirmations and visualizations and Peel claimed that such techniques would give the reader a higher satisfaction and quality of life. Really, it was the secret before the secret swept the nation again. Really, the secret sounds like just a photocopied version of the power of positive thinking. Yeah. You know, uh, he did pass away on Christmas Eve, 1993 at the age of 95. And he, before that though, he was awarded the presidential medal of freedom by President Ronald Reagan in 1984. This guy had the ear of a lot of U.S. presidents. He was just kind of a fixture in a lot of White Houses for whatever reason. Um, almost immediately, I found this funny, Peel's works were criticized by several mental health experts who declared that his writings were actually bad for mental health and essentially just uh, came down to auto-hypnosis, you know, repeating something to yourself over and over again Oh my until God. you just sort of enter this positive thinking trance but really nothing is good you know nothing has changed but uh for instance one critique noted that the book contained anecdotes that are hard to substantiate so this really has nothing to do with the mental health aspect they were like this book is obviously just made up stories so you know he would tell this story about a person who was unnamed, unknown, unsourced. Like, oh, I I was talking to a famous psychologist or a prominent citizen of New York City or a practicing physician. And they were all these unverifiable quotations and stories. I I like this quote from this guy, William Lee Miller, a professor at University of Virginia. He wrote, in Dr. Peel's books, these men turn out to talk just like Dr. Peel. There's a continuing recurring episode in his books that goes like this. Peel meets great man. Peel humbly asks great man for his secret great man tells peel his strikingly peel like secret (laughs) Uh, and another psychiatrist rc murphy remote control murphy uh no relation um his name wasn't remote control i don't know what it was with saccharine terrorism mr peel refuses to allow his followers to hear speak or see any evil for him real human suffering does not exist there is no such thing as murderous rage suicidal despair cruelty lust greed mass poverty or illiteracy All these things he would dismiss as trivial mental processes, which will evaporate if thoughts are simply turned into more cheerful channels, Uh, which really speaks to the whole thing of like, oh, if I just say my life is good, it'll be going good. I can just bottle up all of my bad emotions. And really, I mean, this goes back to serenity now, that whole thing, like where just if anything's going wrong, just yell serenity now. And as Lloyd Braun says, serenity now, insanity later. (laughs) Really, it was just like, hey, you know what? Bottle up your emotions and smile all the time. That's the way to live life. Uh, uh but a lot of people bought into it and he also founded uh guideposts in 1945 which is like a christian publishing label they put out like devotional books and uh i i love this phrase christian fiction all right don't let's oh, not boy. let's not <laughs> let's oh not, boy uh, let's are not we say, going there are we <laughs> no, going there no, we're not No okay. one's gonna call it redundant or anything uh but now they have like websites and stuff but i remember getting guidepost magazine at my house my mom got guidepost magazine it was a little <laughs> book full of probably a lot of these made-up stories so that's it that's why richard lewis's positive thinking led larry to calling him norman vincent lewis so here's some other trivia and tidbits when i felt okay we both thought this was weird larry runs into this homeless guy and we're just left to deduce that larry gave him some food earlier in a scene that we we weren't privy to that the audience didn't see he runs to this guy's like hey you're the duck larange guy and he's like oh yeah do you like that food we're like okay you must have given him some food I, it's a weird it's a weird way to it could have been just been a homeless man walking up to him going hey do you have any change but no they invented this backstory we didn't see uh well it is in fact a reference to a dinner party in an episode called amco uh, which is episode seven in season one originally oh, the episodes were intended Lord. to be in a different order and so they just left this weird scene in and allowed us to infer, like, oh, I, I guess he gave him some food. But this homeless man obviously is some sort of soothsayer and can see the future that Larry will give him Duck LaRange. And Larry, too, knows that that is also in his future. So he just didn't even say anything about it. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, that's the way it plays now. <laughs> Uh, Larry is watching. I couldn't tell what was going on, on on the screen. Neither one of us could. But Larry is actually watching an NFL game between the New York Jets and the Minnesota Vikings. What I love is that he does reference the Giants at at one point. But I I don't know if if it's the same game in both scenes. But it's only in the last scene that he referenced the Giants. I didn't think either team looked like the Giants. But um, in, this may be just the first scene because the Vikings are wearing their home uniforms. And as of the air date of this episode, the Jets and Vikings had only played six times, and only three of those were in Minnesota. So the Vikings would be wearing their home jerseys. That was in 75, 82, and 94. The next time that happened wouldn't be until 2006. Vinny Tessaverde throws a pass to Curtis Martin. I don't know how the person watched it. This is the same person that Jesus. that um, dissected the bowling score oh, yeah. from, the first episode, yeah, from the second episode, I mean. So... Testaverde and Martin were Jets teammates from 98 to 2003 and again in 2005. So they never would have played for the Jets against the Vikings in Minnesota in the year 2000. Uh, So this must have been a game from... I don't know when.
0: I have have no idea. Yeah, it seems impossible that... Hey, you know, maybe Larry is watching uh, NFL Classics. Maybe he's watching that game from 1994. <laughs> yeah, but
1: these two guys were only teammates. From oh, that's 98- right. That's right. Oh, okay. So it's it's obviously a team. So it happened in 2000. This is obviously a game that happened between 98 and oh three. That's what I'm trying to... So he he could have still been watching... Oh, no, it couldn't have happened. Never mind. Okay, yeah, all these dates are, like, throwing my head for a loop. So, it was obviously a recording, say, of that 94 game that they're playing in 2000, even though the Jets did not play the Vikings at home with Vinny Testaverdi and Curtis Martin on the same team during that year. I can't believe. I mean, sports people are crazy sometimes yeah, with dude. how into stats they get. And I know, like, you know, whatever your fandom is, you can you can get into the same way, but that's just absolutely crazy. <laughs> um When Larry is – so here's another note from that game. When Larry is watching the game, the Jets are inside Vikings territory. They run a play that gets them a first down somewhere inside the 30. Cheryl's talking to him shortly after. Then he turns to look at the TV, and suddenly, Ted, they appear near their own goal line on the other side of the field. Tell me how (laughs) that happens, Ted. (laughs) (laughs) I sure hope someone got fired for that blunder. Um, That's all the uh, trivia and tidbits now, if uh, everyone will rise and – We'll have our reading from the book. Uh, in this episode, the restaurant manager who gives Larry back his credit card is played by David's assistant, Laura Fairchild. Uh, David, Larry David sprained his finger and broke his glasses during his fight with Richard in the jewelry store vestibule. So this episode is kind of true to life. I guess they just maybe <laughs> wrote it in or something. It's kind okay. of weird that they were on that schedule. That's like a South Park schedule. Like, OK, what's this week's episode going to be about? We have to film it in four days. Yeah. Like, well, I broke my finger. All right, we'll start there. Uh, well, he just sprained it, actually. Uh, the interior office scenes were actually shot at Larry David's Santa Monica office. Interestingly enough, it's his real office. Uh, Larry David started to like the scruff he grew for the this episode so much that he bought a, as the book says, a special shaver. Some people call it a razor. That's a, a special mm-hmm. shaver to main st- maintain his stubble look. Oh, my God. The attention Larry pays to oral hygiene on the show mirrors Larry David's real life, in which he flosses his teeth a minimum of three times a day. That's too much. Yeah. That's insane. But I didn't know that. That's very OCD in the way that Jerry is about being a germaphobe. You know, that must be something they had in common. (laughs) Uh, I bet, like, I don't know if they were ever roommates. I think they might have been, but I bet they had a very clean apartment. Uh, director Robert Weedy has a cameo as the man Larry asked to call Richard's house so that guy who walks down the street and he's like hey if a woman answers hang up that's the director of I think most of the episodes yeah. or a lot of them anyway of Curb Your Enthusiasm that's uh, kind of cool Yeah, the lunch scene in which Larry complains to Richard Lewis about having to tip a captain in addition to a waiter was based on lunch that Larry David had with a comic writer and friend Bill Sheft in New York as Sheft remembers we were at Shun Lee which I think is a Street Fighter character. That's pretty cool. Uh, And he gets the bill and says, what's the captain's tip? And I said, it's the captain's. He got us our table. And he says, but there's no one in the restaurant. We could have found this table ourselves. And I kept saying, he's the captain. And he started laughing. Before we got the check, I said, what about dessert? And he says, no dessert. I have a bet with Ted Danson. No dessert for a year. (laughs) (laughs) So I figure Larry David, Ted Danson, this has got to be like a million dollar bet. So I asked, what was the bet? And he says, $200. And I said, $200? Have a piece of fucking cake. Oh my god. (laughs) Um, So what were they thinking uh, from the section, what they were thinking? Richard Lewis says, I get so much satisfaction from setting Larry up and annoying him. Uh, I knew when we were talking on the street that if I told this blind man I had a fear of intimacy, it would aggravate Larry, and he'd start yelling at me. I prefer to give the assist when I know there's a chance for the audience to really see what Larry was like as a stand-up. And that's just like, that's just being a gracious host. I love that. I've always tried to live my uh, life and career in that way. Like, if I can set somebody up, if I can push someone's buttons and set them up for the hit and just lob a softball at them that they can knock out of the park, I would always, I will always go for that over some dumb joke that I'm going to make. Um, so I, it's great that Richard Lewis, um, I appreciate uh, that philosophy of his. Uh, Patrick Kerr, who played the blind man, said, I'd never really done that improv thing, so I had no idea what I was going to say, but when we got to the apartment, there was a plastic potted plant, and I asked the set decorator if she knew what it was called. As soon as she said, Agapanthus, I sighed with relief because I knew I'd be fine. That my character knows the name of the plant indicates a fussiness. I needed that Agapanthus to become a complete pain in the ass. <laughs> Uh, and then re- back to Richard Lewis. We, did, <laughs> we get two Richard Lewis quotes here. Uh, I knew He says, I knew that if I was supposed to be moving, there was no way I was going to look fresh as a daisy. So just before action, I made sure that I was doused heavily with water. It turned out to be one of the funniest still shots ever. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, he did. I mean, Richard Lewis just looks hilarious all throughout this episode. I mean, even when he's put together perfectly, we couldn't stop laughing at this amazing
0: <laughs> suit. Uh,
1: which, by the way, did you see Justin Bieber brought back at the Grammys? Yeah. Oh my gosh, he was wearing the Richard Lewis collection. Like a suit that's six sizes too big. Uh, Yeah, awesome. Yeah, we buy our suits off the rack. (laughs) Yeah, without even trying them on or looking at the labels. Just pull them off the rack and buy them. That's it from the book. Uh, You may now be seated. Uh, Yeah, and that's all I got.
0: All right, well, if you've never listened to us before, we are not a research-heavy show despite the last 21 minutes being exclusively... Uh, bullshit. We like to have our questions pop up naturally in the run of the episode and assign them to ourselves the week following as though we are giving ourselves homework. I've never seen these episodes before. Tim hasn't seen these episodes in the last 20 years. If we miss anything, if we egregiously skip over something, please send us an email or send us a tweet. It's at nohugging on Twitter or nohugging nolearningshow at gmail.com Please do not sign us up for any more spam <laughs> newsletters. I don't know... I don't know who was doing that but please do not do that anymore
1: i think there are bots that just scrape the web for oh probably blah, blah dot
0: com, and then they yeah <laughs> probably but i i could definitely see like someone just saying like oh yeah uh no hugging no learning show at gmail.com they're gonna want this knockoff truck stop viagra <laughs> horny goat weed Horny goat weed. Oh, my Lord. Uh, if you uh, if you like what you hear, you can give us a five-star rating and a written review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And if you do that, we will send you a free No Hugging, No Learning Show sticker. Uh, we just need your mailing address. So if you want to send that over to our email, you can do that. Or you can DM us on Twitter. Either way. If you'd like to support us monetarily, you can also do that. Patreon.com slash No Hugging. Uh, where for five bucks a month you are gonna get every episode except for last week's, <laughs> uh, one week early, and you're also gonna get our clipped content from every episode. You are gonna get two movie reviews every single month, which we gotta figure out what we're doing for oh, yeah, that. I know. Uh, we should probably do one of those this week. So yeah. we're not doing. Two towards the end of the month, um, but you're uh, you're gonna get all that for a low low price. Uh, that is the it's a Hyundai tier. It's really our only tier that anyone is signed up for on Patreon. Uh, so I'm I'm probably uh, don't don't sign up for for the the one dollar one because you don't get anything. You get a thank you and that's it. <laughs> maybe that's Ooh. all you
1: want. Maybe that's all you have time for.
0: Yeah, you don't have time all for our bullshit. Yeah, absolutely. You know what? Give us money so we don't have to give you anything. Absolutely. <laughs> Do that yeah yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> you
1: have to give us money so we don't do anything for you otherwise oh i'm gonna do something for you i'm gonna do something for you big time <laughs> unless you pay me off <laughs> jesus
0: all that being said season one episode five interior decorator original air dates is november 12th 2000 and if you're looking at tv guide that night you are gonna see an act of kindness results in Larry missing a meeting with an actress whose phone number he just can't get. Wow, I
1: don't hate it. It it reads like one of our... These have been pretty good. Pretty, pretty good. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That, I don't know if we can make that better. We'll see by the time we get to the end. Uh, so we open as Larry enters a building to see John Lynch, M.D., and he holds the elevator door for <laughs> a woman. And Ted, I wrote down... Because I was like, whoa, look at that. It's Nikki Blonsky. Oh, my gosh. And I was no. all prepared to go, oh, my gosh, Nikki Blonsky. She was so huge in 2000. She was probably just coming off of Hairspray, the the motion picture. And, you know, Nikki Blonsky was definitely having a moment. Every time she appeared in this episode, Ted, I wrote down Nikki Blonsky instead of her character name, which we get in just a little bit. And <laughs> spoiler alert,
0: it's not Nikki Blonsky. No, it is not. <laughs> you know who I think it is, though? Uh, Who's it? The actress's name is Marissa Janet Winokur. Yes. And I believe... I'm looking at her IMDb now. (laughs) I think it might be Artemis from Always Sunny. Oh. Oh, Tim. Yeah. Tim, it is not Nikki Blonsky, but she was in Hairspray Live in 2016. Oh. Well, I definitely watched a little bit of that, so
1: maybe that's where I got mixed up. But um, it... uh, Yeah, I mean, it doesn't even look like Nicky Blonsky. (laughs) I mean, I'm looking at
0: Nicky Blonsky now, and I'm like, why did I think that was Nicky Blonsky? I have no idea. Let me see. Uh, You know, I I don't (laughs) think it is now. I I think Artemis in in, uh, Always Sunny is someone different. Yeah, Artemis in Always Sunny is played by Artemis Pebdani.
1: (laughs) Oh, okay. Well, yeah, interestingly enough, this character also goes by her actual name the her name in the show is Marissa Winokur uh and the actress's name is Mar- I mean the funniest part of the episode to me Ted I think is when I was watching the credits and I was like oh that's not Nikki Blonsky
0: Jesus <laughs> every time I wrote it down
1: uh, so sorry to both Nikki Blonsky and I yeah
0: <laughs> not not to pull the curtain back too much but I'd have to agree that uh, the funniest thing in the episode happened <laughs> not in the episode um what, what was it for you i i honestly couldn't tell you okay maybe it was just now when you thought i thought that was yeah nikki I was pro- that was probably the highlight of the episode for me is is knowing that you thought this was nikki Blonsky <laughs> the entire
1: time and i wrote it down every single time even after we got her character name i was like nope nikki Blonsky. <laughs> look it's just easier to just notate it nb like <laughs> yeah,
0: it's it's fine
1: um so not nikki Blonsky, marissa winnaker um he holds the door for her she signs in and is called back before larry david he's got a finger splint by the way so he can't really write properly uh and he goes up and asks when her appointment was and her appointment was at 11:45. his is at 11 30 but she signed in first and that's the office policy they see people as they come in even if they're early
0: because then they can see more people yeah. but and and yeah. we don't get what time it is but we're led to believe that larry david is late for his appointment It's entirely
1: possible, yeah. I I wish they would have, because that makes a big difference as to whether I agree with Larry or I agree with the doctor's appointment, or or the doctor's office. It's like, well, you know, we're we're actually at her appointment time, and you're late, so because she signed in, we're going to try to keep her on schedule, and you're going to have to pay for your lateness. But if it's 1130, the policy is bullshit. I, I don't know if there's a clock in the scene or something that, that could help us out. I I wish they had made that a little bit clearer because it does make a big difference in this interaction.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah, and it comes into play with the whole episode.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But Larry's like, well, why make an appointment if they don't matter and you can just show up whenever? This um bit really reminded me of the reservation bit.
0: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I was I was drawing comparisons to that too, but like I'm on the side of the other person in this interaction. Like with with the reservation Like, everyone's on Jerry's side with that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But watching this, I'm like, okay, Larry, it's a fucking doctor's appointment. (laughs) You're gonna be
1: seen. And even he comes clean at the end with what he thinks the real policy should be, which which at that point, I do agree with Larry. But um, in this instance, you're right. I mean, it does seem like a better policy to go, you know what, if 1145 gets here at 1130 and the 1130 guy hasn't signed in yet or whatever... Then yeah, eleven forty-five can go in. We'll get eleven thirty, and right after, um, but it doesn't really work out that way. I mean, we we time lapse to about twelve fifteen-ish. So yeah. if you if you did the math, because he did, he does say, "What were you doing in there for forty-five minutes?" So maybe it was eleven thirty. I, I think he says something like that when she comes out. Um, mm. But I like that. I wrote down that uh, Larry at twelve fifteen is now giving a TED talk on the office's errand policy yeah (laughs) he's like yeah i think in this scene he's literally standing up addressing everybody else in the waiting room
0: and Um, he's also like he's chiming in his own comments at his ted talk because no one is talking to him (laughs) no one is even acknowledging him
1: yeah everyone agrees i mean like an elevator a waiting room is one of those places where small talk is just like don't talk to anybody you don't talk to anybody in a doctor's office waiting room You don't talk to anybody in a elevator. You don't talk to anybody at the urinal. I mean, there's lots of places where people break these rules and they're wrong and they should be shot into the sun. Uh, (laughs) um, And so he does stop Marissa on the way out and he berates her for taking his appointment. And he's finally called back uh, into room four where he the doctor doctor comes in. And instead of talking about his problem, he starts in with the policy immediately Uh, And Larry is now late for a meeting with Diane Keaton about his script. She wants to meet on this script that she read. And the doctor says his wife read the script, too. And she didn't say anything to him about it. But we get the information here that. Well, we don't get all the information here, but we know that she is a lawyer. Um, We don't. I, I didn't get that she's Larry's lawyer until a little bit later, I think. I don't think it was in this scene, but. Larry jammed his finger in the fight with Richard Lewis, which, as we know, happened in real life. Uh, Cheryl made a splint out of a plastic knife, and the doctor looks at it for around one second and declares that everything's fine.
0: Well, yeah, he he squeezes, like, both the knuckles in Larry's index fingers. He's like, does that hurt? Does that hurt? Okay, cool. Nothing hurts. Take it off. You're good. (laughs) And and Larry's like, do I have to pay for this?
1: Uh, Down in the parking lot, Larry doesn't have $3 to pay for parking, uh, and the attendant there, I, I, who I definitely recognize this actress. Did you recognize this actress? Uh, no, I did not. I have to write because I, I was hoping you would. Because I was like, was she on Mad TV? She looks like somebody who might have been on Mad TV. No, nah,
0: I've I've got the I've got the cast list up.
1: Yeah. Well, uh, her
0: name is Karen Mariama.
1: Yeah, yeah. Does she? I haven't looked at her. I didn't look at her credits or anything like that. I was just going to write it down for homework. Okay. Larry promises that he'll give her $5 if she can front him the $3 to get out of the lot uh, right now, which she does. She'll be there on Friday. Um, wh- who do you think made this accent choice, by the way? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> it's the first of, I believe I count three. I wrote accent choice question mark three times during this episode. Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, because she is Asian. So, you know, I mean, you know, going back to Mad TV, I remember that there being that wasn't there an Asian character that did a very similar broken English kind of accent that was played for huge laughs like. Uh, Are you talking about Alex Borstein? Oh, God. Was that Alex Borstein doing that? I, I think
0: so. Oh, no. Well, I don't. that's not a very Asian name. <laughs> I know who that yeah. actress is. Alex Boor, Alexandra Borstein is an American actress, comedian, writer, and producer. Yeah, she was on Mad TV. I think that might be who did and the character she, that you're thinking of. Oh, my gosh. You're kidding me. <laughs> well, I mean, that, that tracks because um, she's big in
1: with Seth MacFarlane, and that is very much his kind of humor as well, <laughs> for better or worse. Uh, Ms, Ms. Swan. Is that who the the character's name? The uh, the gorgeous, pretty beauty nail salon?
0: Yes. Oh, no. Yep, that was Alex Borstein.
1: (laughs) Oh, boy. I have to say already, our episode of the podcast about this episode is ten times better than the episode. I'm having so much of a better time right now. Not that, But, I mean, I'm discovering so much uh, about myself. I don't know. But, yeah, I, I just I just was like, accent choice? Come on. Why? Um, so over at Bandera, which was at 11700 Wilshire Boulevard, it closed in August of 2020 with a promise to reopen for in-restaurant dining. But they didn't make it, Ted. They finally just decided to keep Aww. it closed. Yeah, officially called it June of 2021. So all the Bandera staff and me. June of, we made it to June of 2021. Dang. <laughs> and there are still two Banderas if you want to go. There's one in Chicago and one in Corona Del Mar, California, which is about an hour and a half south of this old location here on Wilshire. Um, the Last time Google Maps drove by, there is nothing in the building right now. It does still have like a big restaurant sign that kind of ran perpendicular to the corner that you can't see. But that sign in the front that said Bandera has been stripped. Uh, and that's where Larry was to meet Diane Keaton. Uh, Jeff is still there, but Diane left after waiting for so long. And so Larry says his days of elevator etiquette are over because holding the door for this woman did not, uh, uh, you know, um, cause him to be late for this potentially life-changing meeting. And Jeff's like, yeah, Diane's probably not doing the movie. Uh, and she, he was like, you know, you should call her. You should write her a note. And Larry's like, I can't write right now. I want to call her. Uh, and so at home... Cheryl introduces their new interior decorator, Carmen. Uh, this is surprisingly, I didn't write down accent choice here. This
0: is not one of the times that I wrote down accent choice, but you certainly well, could I, have. I i have seen her in other roles, and I don't believe this is an accent that she put on for the oh. interior decorator because uh, Grace was telling me that she is one of the teachers in that so Raven, and it unlocked a little bit of a memory for me. I'm like, I remember her sounding exactly like this in that so Raven. Oh, unless okay. she's just doing the same character, yeah, twice,
1: which is possible. She might just do a great accent like that. And and actually, I see, I I did write it at the bottom of this section. So <laughs> this is one of the times I wrote accent choice. It seemed a little thick to me, but maybe that's it. Maybe that's a real uh, speaking voice. Uh, Well, so Cheryl introduces their new interior decorator, Carmen, while Larry enjoys a Clearly Canadian, uh, which is a beverage that we've seen on Seinfeld as well, uh, that distinctive blue bottle. So Diane Keaton is actually one of Carmen's clients, and Diane did leave a message on the machine, but her number is obscured by cell phone static, and Carmen will not give Larry David the number. This yeah pissed me off this was maddening so
0: much because like she's like no i'm not gonna break that privilege i'm not gonna break that that privacy yeah. i'm like it's not fucking privacy she left me her number you just listened to the message yeah she chose to give me her number and i could not hear it she didn't purposefully uh obfuscate the recording. Yeah.
1: Yeah, she would be like, you know what? Um, give me a call. I'll have my agent um give Jeff my number, and then you can call me that way. No, she gave yeah, the no, number she on the machine.
0: G- not only her number, her home number.
1: Yeah, and for as far as she knows, it the transmission was clean and made it to Larry. Yes. Yeah, and the woman here. Yeah, the woman is definitely wrong. She is interpreting the trust that Diane Keaton has in her incorrectly. It's not, it's not, yeah, it's definitely like, don't give out my number to everybody, but it is like, oh, if you hear me give my number to somebody and they don't quite get it, you can fill in the blanks like that. That's somebody I want to have my number, obviously. And Larry's correct. Like she wouldn't even know she gave me the number. I'm not even going to bring you into it. Just tell me the rest of the numbers. Yeah. This is maddening. And there's going to be a lot of situations like this in Larry's life. Sometimes he's wrong, but sometimes he is right. And this is definitely one of the occasions where, He's right, and the woman is just making a maddening uh, and completely wrong decision.
0: You everyone heard it first. Uh, Tim says, Larry is right, woman is wrong. (laughs) Yeah, woman is
1: wrong. Uh, So driving back to the lawyer slash doctor's office, uh, Larry is telling Cheryl that he fired Carmen. I say rightly so. I'm happy that she got what was coming to her. Um, And so Larry asks... Uh, uh, the new parking lot attendant if joanne is around it's oscar nunez yes oh my gosh and uh
0: accent choice we know yeah we know oscar (laughs) nunez doesn't talk like this yeah from uh from the
1: office was this larry david going you know it would be hilarious a stereotypical mexican uh you know like that would be that would just add to the scene Um, so just, I know you're a young actor trying to, you know, a young improver trying to get into the business. This is an HBO show. I don't know. I just hope the conversation didn't go that way. (laughs) Um, uh, but Oscar agrees to accept the money if he's not responsible for getting it to the woman. Like if it doesn't make it to her or something like that, um, and make sure this was, this was maybe one of the only times I really chuckled during this episode is when he goes from the bald guy with glasses like and you're the bald guy with
0: glasses and Larry goes unfortunately that's me it's a good look yeah (laughs) it's a good look (laughs) I'm so glad to know that like you also laughed so infrequently at this episode (laughs) yeah yeah it was it
1: wasn't the normal and we've only was only episode five and it wasn't what we're used to it was it was a little bit of playing around with their format which I guess is fine early in the first season but um, there's just some weird off-the-wall stuff that still has yet to happen and And just some odd choices all around for this episode. Um, But I did like that one where he's like, unfortunately, that's me. (laughs) Uh, I loved that. Uh, So inside, Larry pretends to, but will not hold the elevator door for the person running in. But he doesn't realize it is Joanna. Yeah. So now she thinks that he's trying to duck her. Uh, Up in his lawyer's office, Larry's lawyer's office, which is a huge conference room. I guess it was like, they do kind of mention it because they kind of had to. But maybe it was like the only room they could film in you know in this building or something because uh it is odd that they they did that uh but this is definitely i was not mistaken about this it is nia vardolos uh the star uh, of my big fat greek wedding and other stuff yeah yeah so i definitely recognized her um and diane keaton is upset uh and somehow I guess the lawyer heard from Diane Keaton's people or something like that, that she's upset about missing the meeting. And Jeff set up another meeting, so Larry's going to smooth things over. And he did get a bill for $1,500 because his lawyer spent three hours reading the script. And she is also – Larry can't believe it. He didn't even ask her to read the script. She's also going to charge for the notes that she made on the script. And he's not interested in her creative input (laughs) either. Uh, and he's like, well, I, this was an, I, I laughed at this line, too. I think, well, I'm going to take those notes and shove them up my own ass.
0: <laughs> God damn it.
1: Um, I mean, that's just so, like, it's going to be my own ass. It's going to hurt, but that's where your notes belong. <laughs> like, it, that, it had that energy to it um and and he's like you know what you want you want to collect on that 1500 bucks call my new lawyer which was brutal yeah. oh my that, god that was, that was a good that was a good <laughs> burn uh, so down in the garage joanna finally confronts larry and she never got the money uh from oscar yet and she thinks larry is trying to duck her but larry gives her 20 bucks and then turns around and sees his lawyer or his old lawyer i guess staring at him uh you know having watched this weird interaction now, Larry has no cash to exit the parking garage, and we get another maddening situation because Oscar won't give him the ten dollars back uh, because he was entrusted with that to give it to her, and he doesn't know that Larry has now given. T- he doesn't trust Larry that he's given her twenty dollars, and he wants that ten dollars back. Um, and so he has to ask his lawyer, who is behind him, try to exit the parking garage for five bucks. And he says, "I'll give you ten later." <laughs> he owes her fifteen hundred. Meanwhile, so says she. But yeah. uh, he is worried about making sure that he gives her 10 bucks back for that $5. I feel like this is a metaphor kind of for Wall Street investing. Like, okay, I borrowed $3 from that person, promising that I'll give them $7 later. I, in fact, gave this guy 10 to give to her, and I'll take $5 from this person, telling them that I'll give them 10 back later. You know, I feel like a lot of the stock market <laughs> is done that way. Uh, <laughs> I, but I don't know enough about it, obviously. If you're listening and you do, you're probably like, no, you idiot. It, it's something completely yeah. different, but equally you're-
0: convoluted. But if you if you are listening and you do know how Wall Street works, uh, please hit up our email <laughs> and help be, help make us millionaires. I'll we just, want to we want to make some money.
1: I will think it's spam and delete it though. Yes, I will probably because yes. that doesn't seem like a real. Yes. Hey, I can please, make you millions. Delete. Please,
0: please make please make your uh, subject of your email. I swear this is not spam.
1: Yeah, put interior decorator yes. in there in the subject line. Um, which I'll also think is an ad to hire an interior decorator and I'll delete it. (laughs) Um, So over at Diane Keaton's house uh, with Jeff, Larry is 30 minutes late again uh, and he recognizes as he sits down to wait for Diane Keaton a familiar lamp. Was this the lamp from Porno Gill? and I just didn't recognize it? Yeah. It was, okay. That's interesting. I I think so anyway. I mean, it had to have been. That's the only lamp that's been pointed out to us in the series. But it's it's just kind of weird. Um, well, I guess it, it does get broken in a second, so I guess um, that that's why they kind of pointed it out. Uh, I could have used just one more step further, like a flashback to the porno Gill episode or something. <laughs> um, and Carmen is leaving, and she yells at Larry David about not getting her check because you know even though she's been fired, she did do a little bit of work for him, and so he owes her some money or something. And Larry begins fighting with her physically. They run into the table and tumble to the ground knocking over the lamp and breaking it and then all of a sudden she's trying to make out with larry david carmen is trying to make out with larry yeah i don't know where this came from that was off the wall and like pretty much ruined the whole episode for me it was really weird she's like oh larry yes and she starts kissing him as diane keaton well quote-unquote diane keaton we hear a voice uh, you know a disembodied voice yeah. throughout the episode we, of we, diane he- we
0: hear a voice and we see an ankle
1: yeah, and that's that's Diane Keaton. So I really thought they did nail Diane Keaton's voice. I mean, she doesn't; she's not like Ray Romano or anything, where she has like this
0: very distinctive well, voice. But it did sound like her. Here's the thing, Tim. Uh, looking at the cast list on IMDb, it is Diane Keaton's voice. Whoa. Okay. Yeah. Diane Keaton as Diane Keaton par- (parenthetical voice, parenthetical voice. uncredited).
1: Wow. Well, go- yeah. Well, that makes a lot of sense then. And then they just got somebody to to do an ankle an ankle scene. <laughs> um so hey, how, back, hey yeah. baby how much to show ankle <laughs> what is it what do i got to show ankle is so back at the doctor and lawyer's office building uh larry sees joanna working the <laughs> the parking lot and drives by and decides to park on the street and just starts begging for change uh asking if people if they have anything he can put in the meter at which point he runs into the lawyer so i guess the gag here is that she thinks he might be hard up for money because every time she sees him with Joanna at the parking garage and now here, or, um, leaving the parking garage and now here on the street begging for money, it's, is, is that the gag? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. It, because I mean, it, I guess it kind of played like that, but, but it's never, she should have said something in an earlier scene. Like, what are you, you're probably poor. I know you're, you know, something like that. And he's like, no, I got plenty of money. And then uh, every time she sees him, like with George, being a filthy person, you know, like eating out of the trash, cleaning the guy's yeah. windshield, and always being spotted. I mean, it reads very much like that, but there's no gag there. It's just every time that seems to be the 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 runner, the thread running through all the scenes, but it's never spelled out. Which yeah. maybe maybe I'm dumb for needing it to be, but I think I'd like that. <laughs> um, so inside, said I wrote Nikki Blonsky. Oh no, <laughs> Nikki Blonsky defiantly won't hold the elevator. So Larry runs to the stairs tussles with Nikki in the hallway (laughs) yes I wrote Nikki makes it to the sign in first and really makes a meal out of signing in before even doing the same kind of thing she did where he starts to walk away and then notices that he forgot to write something and and goes back and and writes in it uh and so he is signed in uh and he still got a a bad finger but Marissa's called back first because they changed the policy so even though Larry got there first her appointment was first so she goes back first and Larry complains about his own complaint he's like what I I come you do one complaint you change the policy don't listen to me and she's like well what I'm getting is you want the policy to be you first she's like yes thank you me first (laughs) which I thought was hilarious yeah whatever policy
0: means I get to go first that's the right one (laughs) and I I loved her coming back to saying okay we'll finally we'll after uh, we'll institute the me first policy for you after today have a seat yeah (laughs) yeah she was she was great I, I want to point out that um, I I thought this woman looked familiar. This this nurse looked familiar, but Grace is the one who pointed it out to me. Uh, Tim, this is Chessy from the Parent Trap in 1998.
1: Oh my gosh! I got to admit, I I don't think I've seen it. That's wow! Away, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah, you've never seen it? No, I
1: promise oh I'm my not. God! I promise I'm not 80 years old. But the Parent Trap that I grew up with watching, because in 98 I was what 17, so. That's very true. Uh, Grace is yelling at you from the first <laughs> floor of the house. Oh, well, you guys should check out the Haley Mills p- parent trap because I find that to be, uh, I haven't seen the other one, but I find that to be superior. <laughs> the, the Haley Mills parent trap from probably 1950
0: something. Uh, Grace is now texting me saying we have to do it for Patreon. Oh,
1: okay. I would do that. I would definitely do that. Maybe we should do an all parent. Well, I doubt anybody from the 1961 parent trap. Well, I don't know. I bet there was somebody. I'm going to have to look it up and see if there was somebody from the... Because we can do an all-parent trap. Maybe for, like,
0: May. You know, that's Mother's Day. Maybe, mm. you know, we do an all-parent mm. trap. <laughs> all-parent trap all month long. Jesus Christ. Let me look up...
1: Because uh, I got... By the way, I put the I put a shortcut to the IMDB collaborations page on my phone home screen. Not Like, not on the first one, but if you swipe one direction
0: yeah. to the... Left, it's there. I look at it wow. so much. And Tim, we have there's uh, two common connections with the Parent Trap and Seinfeld. The '98 um, version. Yeah, let's yeah. look for. I, uh, let's look for Curb.
1: I can tell you, yeah. I might have to go to Curb for the '61 version because Beethoven, Wagner, and Mendelssohn are the only people <laughs> who have Jesus. Seinfeld and the 1961 Parent Trap in common. But I'll do Curb.
0: Oops. Uh three common connections between the whole show or, or between uh Curb, Seinfeld, and uh The Parent Trap. Uh Lisa and Walter, Maggie Wheeler. That sounds familiar. Uh she was uh I think she was Janice in Friends. Oh. Yeah, and she was on Seinfeld. Yeah, and I think she was And there was one other person. Um, And uh, J. Patrick McCormick. Hmm. I don't know who that is.
1: Yeah, and uh, the only people in common with The Parent Trap 1961 and Curb Your Enthusiasm are Beethoven, Wagner, and Chopin. So... Uh, eh. I I don't don't even remember...
0: I don't think we can make it work way. We can't
1: count. Yeah. But we'll, I'll at least do the 98. That'll be, that'll okay. be funny. That's got to be on. Is that on Disney Plus? Was that a
0: Disney thing? Yeah, it's on Disney Plus. Sweet.
1: Anything I can watch for free, I'm in. Um, all right. Anything so. you
0: don't have to pay to rent. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: So we don't have to save it for May now. We could do that one in, in April if you want to. But I, I recognize this actress. For, I think we're going to have to do a dive on like a lot of the cast from this episode because there was a lot of people that I recognized um you know, I, I do want to know more about Marissa and this actress too. So, um, okay. yeah, we'll just do instead of attendant actress, I'm going to write down actresses. There we go. So time passes. Uh, Larry is giving uh, another talk to the other waiting room occupants, Jeez. but did you notice he's not moving his mouth?
0: Yeah, I did. What, what the fuck is going on here? <laughs> <Come> on.
1: <laughs> I mean, that's just slop. I mean, again, the, the digital sign replacement and the looped dialogue, the ADR, was somehow better on a show that ended a couple years before this one than the one where we had better technology a couple years yeah, later. we are literally
0: <laughs> into the 21st century now.
1: Yeah, I mean, we complained about Seinfeld ADR, but this was Larry talking without moving his mouth. He's just looking at everybody. Maybe he was sending it to them telepathically, complaining about the policy. Um, so... Then uh, the woman comes out and calls Lassie Maven in because Larry can't write his name Larry David correctly. So she calls him back and he gets in a uh, we find out that the finger does have a hairline fracture in it and he gets in a fight with the doctor. He refuses and the doctor refuses to treat the finger until he pays his wife the lawyer and his fee up front.
0: This is just extortion.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah I really what the fuck this seems against uh maybe the Hippocratic oath or something like it doesn't seem (laughs) doesn't seem right uh yeah but also like Larry already said he's getting a new lawyer um is he the only doctor in Los Angeles the city of Los Angeles this guy's the only doctor I don't think this required an argument this required a a walking off to find probably a doctor in the same building probably someone else you could just walk across the street in the
0: same practice yeah
1: exactly um and, but he does end up giving the doctor the credit card. And this was maybe, so this was, I think there were three jokes I liked in the whole thing where the doctor was like, Hey, you get miles. He's like, cause once he gets the credit card, he's like all sunshine and rainbows again. He's like, all right, I'll, I'll be right back with this. Hey, you get miles. And then frolic starts up. And did you notice the director of this episode? No. Who? The great Andy Ackerman.
0: Oh my God.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I don't even look at that. I referenced earlier about how Robert Weedy did a, a ton of these Curb episodes. He's kind of the Andy Ackerman of Curb Your Enthusiasm, but uh, Andy Ackerman called back from from the Seinfeld days to direct this episode. So uh, there we go. And uh, also in the credits, you'll notice not Nikki Blonsky, but Marissa Janet <laughs> Winokur. Um, and that is it. Oh, my God. All right. Well, what do we got for homework this week? I just wrote down actresses. So the doctor's office <laughs> and Marissa maybe
0: and uh, but especially Karen for uh, okay. played Joanna. Yeah. Okay. Uh what do we like for cover art for this mm. episode? Man, that's a tough one. What really stuck out as far as seeing something Maybe Larry and Marissa battling in the hallway. Yeah, yeah, that's not bad.
1: Yeah, or Larry, like, looking over her shoulder while she's signing in in the opening scenes. Not bad.
0: Or uh, or Diane Keaton's ankle. Diane Keaton's ankle with Larry
1: looking up at it. I, I like that, too. Yeah.
0: There weren't there weren't bad uh, visual elements in this episode, now that I'm yeah. thinking about it. Andy knows what he's doing. Yeah, that's very true. <laughs> All right, so what do we uh, want to do about this week's description? Let's hear it. So we had, let me get back to it. We had an act of kindness results in Larry missing a meeting with an actress whose phone number he just can't get. <laughs> and it does have an exclamation point
1: at the end, right? Yeah, that's I why I'm I, reading I, it like that. I think I noticed that uh, when I was reading it. I was like, what? Don't editorialize the synopsis <laughs> that way. Synopsis get a period. <laughs> he just can't get it. It's not an yeah, infomercial. <laughs> it's just, just let us read it. He just can't get. He just can't get it. He just can't. I, I like it. I, I'm fine with it. It's more than about her phone number, but the phone number is a major part of the plot line. So, you know, it's more that he just he can't meet with her again, or he keeps missing the meeting. But I like the way they wrote it better that he, he just can't
0: get it. I yeah. would just change it to a period.
1: <laughs> That's <laughs> all. I'll change.
0: You know what? No, I'm. Keep, I want to keep it with the exclamation keep point. The
1: exclamation point.
0: Yeah. So it's uh, it's Larry wait so read it again an act of kindness results in larry missing a meeting with an actress whose phone number he just can't get at the disco
1: that's all i was gonna do
0: (laughs) 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 oh my god Uh, okay so what did you like or or not like about this episode did you like it i mean i found it to be very very dull i i didn't laugh until like 22 minutes in it was subpar. I'll, I'll say yeah. that.
1: Like, it, it didn't hit the baseline that I feel like we really nailed with the previous episode, the bracelet. You know, I was like, this is a funny, this is a great episode. He gets himself into some some situations, but this one just had too many weird off the wall moments. Um, and it wasn't uh, maybe it just wasn't as cohesive as I would have liked it, despite the fact that it does come all the way back around. But there was there was just something there was something missing from it. Um, you know, a, a lot of the humor, like I laughed at three jokes really, and. You know, we we've referenced already that this isn't a very jokey show, but even the situations didn't make me laugh as much as they made me upset. You know, yeah. which is that is that what I'm supposed to feel? <laughs> I don't know.
0: Am I just supposed to be angry watching this comedy?
1: Yeah. Am I supposed to be agitated because that's yeah. all that's all I like? Everybody was pretty much wrong. That's all in this I was episode. getting from this. Maybe that's what I didn't like about it. Is it's better when Larry is wrong, but he will not back down, as opposed to Larry being right. And everybody—that's what really. And stuck everybody out about
0: else it. being wrong. Yeah, yeah,
1: everybody else was wrong except for Larry. <laughs> and and those don't make for. And yeah, it
0: no was other it other was episode. infuriating.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. So maybe that's maybe that's what it was. It wasn't awkward and it wasn't cringe, it was just angering and a- and agitating.
0: <laughs> yeah, definitely not my my least favorite episode we've watched so far because uh Larry David Curb Your enthusiasm exists. <laughs> but my god, was You're, it not not in my top episodes. Your least favorite of the season proper, of the series yeah. proper, I mean. <laughs> of of the series proper, yeah. 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 Or
1: yeah. I would say that's true. I mean, we're only five in, though, so they, they didn't yeah. hit a stinker yeah, we, until, you know. We are
0: We are halfway through halfway season through. one now.
1: Yeah, that's true.
0: All right. Well, next week, we have got season one, episode six, The Wire. Original air date was November 19th, 2000. And if you're looking at TV Guide that night, you are going to see Larry and Cheryl befriend their odd neighbors in order to get their approval to bury an unsightly phone wire.
1: Hmm. Okay. All right. Doesn't ring a bell. All right. Is that it?
0: Yeah. I think that's everything.
1: All right. For no hugging, no learning, I'm Tim Murphy. I'm Ted Halliwell. Be good.